0: Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk to you about college basketball, the MLB, and, of course, our signature segments, your weekly Turtle Tab, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 121. In the last four games, the Iowa State women's basketball team has had a 95.8% free throw percentage. <laughs> you know what I'm saying when I say free throw percentage because I didn't think I did. That while wow, that's impressive, if you guys recall, we were on an intramural basketball team back when we were in college. Do you recall what my free throw percentage was? Did you even make one? No, I was 0 for 2 in my entire life.
1: 0% for me.
2: That's not as good as the Iowa State women.
0: Not even close. They're wildly good.
1: Well, a, to, be, to be fair, I'd, I'd hope that they were at least better than you, you know, since they do practice every day. They do practice, and they're actually good at
0: basketball. So those numbers, by the way, were uh, they made 69 for 72. So that's, that's
1: wild. Wildly good. And, I mean, one of those games they shot, they had 24 attempts. So it's not like they – obviously, they weren't, like, they weren't not going to the line. They were getting to the line and making – their shots and I this and that's something that can't be said for the men's team um although man like who would have expected the outcome of this week when they went on the road to Waco uh certainly not Vegas and certainly not me on last week's episode as I had pretty much written this team off uh For sure. I forget what the line was for this game. Mike, I don't know if you want to
2: 24 or something. I
1: I thought it was like 23 and a half. So yeah, we're in the same ballpark, but it was projected to be a blowout. Granted Baylor had not played in the past 17 days. I think was their final total due to COVID protocols that had them sidelined for a bit, but, uh, Roger Bolton and Tyler Harris were really the true stories of this game. Uh, Tyler Harris, especially at the beginning of the game, was on fire. He got the start um, in that game as Steve Prome mixed up the lineup. Uh, it was a similar starting lineup to how the or it resembled the team that finished the game on the court versus OU uh, just a game prior. Uh, Prome felt like that team had a little bit more energy in ambition so harris and jackson got the start over uh walker and johnson i believe so it was close came down to the wire iowa state led until what was it four and a half minutes left in the game or so mike
2: yeah they were leading for most of that game
1: and the thing that was always interesting is Baylor did make a huge run to close the first half uh, to get that game close. At that point, it felt like, oh, no, this this is probably where we fall apart. But every time Baylor seemed to get within two, Iowa State stretched it to five, six, or seven points until that final four minutes. And this is where you saw the team of this year and how they lack a true – close it, close out point guard. You you could say that like a Monte Morris, the Tyrese Halliburton, we were missing that aspect of prior teams where you put the ball in the hands of Monte and he makes the smart decision. He knows where that ball is supposed to go. He takes it himself if he needs to, if he has the best matchup. Um, The thing that was tough with Baylor all night long is they were trying to ball screen with Solomon Young, or uh George Condit uh against Mark Vital, who is one of the best. I mean, he's only 6'4 generously, but they play him at the five spot because he can guard like crazy on the perimeter as well. So they were switching and the the point guards had no room to go. Um so in the at the end, Bolton wasn't getting up good shots. They were forcing. The issue turning the ball over, it just wasn't a solid closeout of a game that you have to have in order to beat a team like that. On the-
2: Yeah, but I mean, the fact that they were in that game without bad there says a lot. And one of the main reasons they were in it, they didn't turn the ball over. Only nine turnovers that entire game um, for the Cyclones, which is big. I mean, you got to take care of the ball in general, but nine turnovers is very few for a basketball game at all. Much less a really really bad basketball team playing at a really really good basketball team. So that was the impressive. I mean, if they can keep doing that, they might just eke out a win at some point. This
1: and it is what they have to do. They this team can't. This team doesn't play enough defense to afford losing possessions. Um, If this team was whereas Baylor like Baylor and Kansas play better defense than Iowa State does, especially since you have players like Mark Vidal, um for Baylor and Marcus Garrett of KU, who was the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year last year. When they get turnovers, it produces offense, especially on fast breaks, and it's not something the, that the Cyclones do, and they have to get all of their points on the offensive end, and they have to score in bunches in order to win shootouts in basketball games so they can't turn the ball over they did almost beat tcu they fell short again they had a lack a late surge in that game uh to they were leading i believe at the under eight timeout in that game as well mike but then tcu just had or was too much for the cyclones um so it, they missed one of their best opportunities to win but they have three more games, like Mike alluded to already. They all happen this week. Uh, so Tuesday at home, last home game, they play Texas, uh, who is ranked. Uh, actually, two both two of the teams that they play this week are ranked all in the top eighteen. The Big Twelve checked in in this week in the new AP poll with uh, seven teams, I believe, in the top eighteen um, of the AP twenty-five. AP top 25. So they get Texas on Tuesday at Texas Tech on Thursday. And then Saturday they finish out at K State, who sits in ninth place in the Big 12 standing. In other news for this team, uh, Solomon Young Uh, Will not return next season. He will forego his uh, extra year of eligibility that he had from this year. Uh, He has elected to pursue a professional career of some sort. So that will open up another scholarship for this.
2: Yeah. And that role for Solomon Young is probably filled. I mean, you'd hope that's filled by Xavier Foster. Right. He's a big man. He can replace Solomon Young. You hope that Xavier Foster is your starting center on day one of the next. And so good luck to Solomon young. He's been great. Um, he was definitely Kyle's favorite player. Kyle would fan girl out whenever we saw Solomon young for a couple of years there. You remember that one time we saw Solomon young at who hot?
1: We saw him at who hot and I almost lost. I almost lost it. I mean, you, you did. Like, lose it. You I did. did. It was great. Um, I didn't end up talking to him. Unfortunately.
0: No, you
2: didn't. he chickened out. Together. We could have yeah.
0: walked up and got a picture with him, but instead we had to take a picture, like a <laughs> selfie of us with him behind us, yes. <laughs> instead of just asking for
1: a picture.
2: <laughs> yes, I remember that.
1: But at the same time, you just hate being that person. So I don't know. I should be that person. I bet he would have loved it at that point of his. I hope. But oh, yeah, well. wasn't
2: that the same year he got teed up like four games in a row? Or Was that George Condit? Well, George oh, no. did
1: that. I don't know how, I don't know if Solomon Young ever had that big of a, I
2: thought, okay, I, I would give a to temper
1: him him to get him teed himself. up four consecutive games.
2: Yeah, that was impressive.
1: Anyway, I
0: mean, Cameron Lard did. That's, that's who I was saying. I was like, I couldn't think of his name. Cameron Lard would do that. He would get teed up for the, the silliest things, though, like well, screaming, he get teed you know, up for
2: dunking. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I, I, that was maybe mad or he would scream after a dunk or something. Not like at anybody. It wasn't like taunting or anything. Uh making noise and he would get teed up for making noises. Good times.
2: Yeah. Um, The women's team definitely had more luck this week than the men's team. They only played one game and it was uh, against a ranked West Virginia team in Ames on senior day. Um, And the Iowa state women ended up handling that game pretty easily as they knocked off number 18, West Virginia, 85 to 68. Um, With Texas's loss to Baylor, on Monday night. Um, That means that Iowa state now controls their own destiny for fourth in the conference. They are now a full game clear of Texas with both teams having one game to play later this week. So Iowa state, if they can beat KU um, on Wednesday, they will finish fourth in the big 12 Um, but a loss by Iowa state to KU and a win um, by Texas against TCU later in the week. And then you'd have to get into the tiebreakers, which I haven't looked at yet. But anyway, if the women control their own, dest- they control their own destiny, beat KU, and that's a KU team that, by the way, is uh, 3-13 and in conference. So that's not a terribly tall order. Um, beat KU um, at home on Wednesday, and you're fourth place in the Big 12. So... They the did season. beat
1: them once this season already. It was only a two-point victory in Allen Fieldhouse, so hopefully it is a little bit of a different story this week. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Lexi Donarski just continues to rack up the awards. She is pro. She very well might honestly win uh, Big Twelve newcomer of the year in the league, or at least freshman of the year, as she won the newcomer of the week. Title uh, again uh, in the conference week after her performance.
2: Yeah, she's been awesome. Bill Fenley continues to recruit really, really well. He does a lot of things really, really well. Recruiting is one of them. Go, Bill Fenley. Go, Bill Fenley.
1: Can we okay. take Bill Fenley's consistency and slide it over to the men's locker room at Hilton Coliseum?
2: Yeah, it's it's amazing how quickly Iowa State became a football school. Am I right? Yeah, We we sacrificed our basketball program for a good football program. Good trade or bad trade? Thoughts?
1: Uh, It's a trade. (laughs) It is a trade. I (laughs) I mean, okay, so Jack Trice has a certain, like, Jack Trice definitely has an atmosphere. Even when Iowa State was horrible, the first game of the season was absolutely crazy no matter what. Cyclone fans were in it but there's just something about hilton magic i feel like where you're just in there and like can kansas is in ames right that's always the big game kansas is in hilton coliseum and it's the gold out right you remember those days and yeah it i don't know i i feel like i feel like ultimately it is a good trade off cuz i like to see matt campbell and the football team doing well but I hate that we can only have one at a time.
0: I don't know. I'm I'm already looking forward to next season. We'll we'll see what the whole coaching thing's going to be like. But I I'm already optimistic for next season. You know, you got to have a slumpier. You can't be perfect all the time. I don't know if the whole thing with, I mean, it seems like you can only have one good thing. Look at look at Kansas. You know, um, you can only have one or the other. But I don't know. Maybe we'll have. Good programs on, on both sides, football and basketball. We already have a great women's team. We just got to have a good men's. I don't know. I, I I dig it. I like being good at football, but I also like being good at basketball. So let's do both.
2: That would be ideal. But, I mean, can you name one school that's really good at both consistently?
1: Maybe over the last five years, you could say in the Big 12 oh, OU. Yeah. Kind of yeah. In- in their basketball program than any other team does between basketball and football, I think that would be the only team that you can at least say has consistency in both programs.
2: Yeah,
0: I would agree with that.
2: Yeah, outside of
0: OU, I couldn't think of anything else off the top of my head though. Not even yeah. you know, go going to the Big Ten Mac, or anything.
2: Mack Brown could get North Carolina there um, in football to match their basketball. And Ohio State, ba- Ohio State basketball has had some definitely some good years, like back with Greg mm-hmm. Olden in the 2000s. And the now, really and now uh,
1: Juwan Howard uh, with Michigan running that basketball team. Let's talk uh, about if, if Jim Harbaugh can get the football That's team back up.
2: What I was gonna say, I don't. Count right. Michigan is a consistently really good football program. So. Right.
1: I would say I would say that for the foreseeable future, Michigan is a basketball program. So. And, hey, look what Alabama's got rolling down in the SEC right now. Their basketball team just won the SEC title. So you got some football schools that are now becoming basketball schools.
2: Yep. The times change.
1: Now next year, watch
0: Bama drop out of the AP Top 25 or something.
2: In football? Yeah. That would be amazing. No, that's not happening. (laughs) you want us to write that down, Wyatt? No, 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 no. no. Actually, yeah, let's write
0: it in for him. (laughs) That would be a solid loss.
2: Oh, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. It's not quite time for a write that down prediction segment that'll come later in the app. After- for now, we'll uh, take a break and talk about some baseball. Um, spring training games are here for most teams. Spring training games started either Sunday or Monday of this past week. Um, the twins are 2 out. Just saying, I don't the Royals a, are also two and zero. I don't see a loss on the Twins schedule this year. The two and zero. Don't see. A I loss. don't see a loss on the Royals
1: schedule. So those
2: things aren't compatible, seeing as they play each other seventeen times. as of nineteen. So those two, those two things are not compatible. But no, in all seriousness, um, basically the theme of these uh, first couple weeks of spring training games is there are virtually no rules. I mean. Teams can choose to play basically as many innings as they wanted. Um, Monday's Twins Rays spring training game ended after six innings because the Rays ran out of pitchers, and so the manager Kevin Cash asked Rocco Baldelli if the could just stop playing, and said yes. So then they just stopped playing after six innings. Um, there's also a rule in spring training right now with you have a pitcher that throws at least 25 pitches in an inning. Once the batter where that 25th pitch gets thrown is over, the fielding team can just say the inning's over. No matter how many outs there are, no matter what the situation is, they can just say the inning's over. Just poof. Okay, we're done. So base is loaded. Nobody out. But you've thrown 25 pitches to get there somehow. Inning's over. Sorry, guys.
0: I like that. I don't think there should be any rules for, you know, spring training in general, but especially towards the beginning. What's the point, you know? It's just practice.
1: Well, but like what about at least making it consistent across the board i don't know like if if you're going to if you're going to say like cuz so this happened on sunday between the rangers and the royals the rangers start or went into the game saying hey we're going to play a maximum of 7 innings uh, so the royals said all right well we're going to uh, split club the last two innings and we're playing all nine so they they put out a fielding team and a batting team and played two extra innings but you know if if you're gonna say that why not have like at least maybe in the cactus league and the grapefruit league say all right collectively we're all just gonna play seven innings like the entire spring training
2: i mean because it gives managers flexibility based on the situation of actual games and that's the point right basically what they're concerned about is with the lack of a full season last year that are com- concerned about pitcher workloads and pitcher injuries, right? So basically they're letting managers play it um, game by game. As long as you get the two managers agree on what you're going to do, they just want to give teams the most flexibility they possibly can here in spring training in order to get us to, uh, to the season with healthy pitchers and pitchers that are hopefully worked, worked up enough to be able to pitch games. So
1: Speaking of this season, isn't it only in like 40 days or something like that?
2: We are exactly one month away from opening day. One month uh, away. April 1st is opening day, and that is not an April Fool's joke. April 1st is opening day. The Twins open at the park park formerly known as Miller in Milwaukee to play the Brewers. Um, yes, Miller Park has a new name. I think it's now American Family Field or something like that. Not, Not as good as Miller Park. So they didn't Miller name the stadium.
1: The they just named the field.
2: Yeah, I don't. I looked it up just the other day because I knew it changed. But yeah, not good. Not a good name change. Boo Brewers. Boo Miller. I don't like
0: those corporation takeover. Like I understand you want that sponsorship dough, but like I don't like it. even like the the Mid American Field, the Jack Trice Stadium. I don't like that either. Yeah, I just get out of here.
2: You you use in the Twin Cities you used to have Mall of America Field at the Hubert H Humphrey Metrodome. Jeez. That's a good too. Yeah, I mean I don't mind naming stadiums, but make them decent. Like yeah. American Family Stadium is awful. Like Hoffman
1: Stadium is a good name.
2: That's a fine name. Yeah, yeah, like, that's uh, good. Wrigley really so, Field. Get, that's wonderful. Did it good. Yeah, it's got to roll off the tongue, like in some way. Like it can't be like eight syllables. Like San commiss- Diego's
1: is pretty good, too. Petco Park.
2: Yeah, Petco is a great one. Safeco was great out in Seattle before they changed it to, what is it now, AT&T Park or T-Mobile Park? I don't uh, know. It's
1: T-Mobile Park. T-Mobile. Because AT&T Park, I think, is San Francisco.
2: Yeah, but didn't, did not AT&T buy Sprint or did Sprint buy AT&T? One of the two doesn't exist anymore.
1: Uh, T-Mobile bought Sprint.
2: T-Mobile bought Sprint. That's what it was. Okay. So but, it's not the NASCAR Sprint Cup Series anymore because Sprint doesn't exist?
0: No, they are uh, they were Nextel. So it was Nextel Sprint, and now it's Monster. Right?
2: Like the energy drink? Yeah, okay. I'm
0: pretty sure that's the spot. That was last year. They might have changed oh. it for this year. I haven't been to date, but I'm okay. pretty sure. So
1: Kyle Busch should be good at win- winning this race now. <laughs> uh, maybe. But getting back to baseball, uh, the Royals open up on April 1st at 3.10 p.m., hosting the Texas Rangers at Kauffman Stadium. So that is a interesting game. The Royals should probably be better than the Rangers this season, I would at least hope. Um, the Rangers are going – they're in a long rebuilding process. So, Wyatt, who do the Cubs open with? Uh,
0: the Pirates. Um, I think they're at Pirates maybe. I don't know for sure.
2: The Pirates uh, are probably the worst team in baseball this year. I'm
1: not sure I'd say probably. I'd say that's a guarantee.
2: See, Kyle, there's one thing I've learned about baseball. Don't guarantee anything in spring training.
0: I'll correct myself. I'll correct myself twice. The Cubs are playing at home against the Pirates. And number two, the NASCAR Cup Series is not actually one sponsor anymore. It was Monster Energy. And now it's just called the NASCAR Cup Series. And it's sponsored by Bush, Coca-Cola, Geico, and Xfinity. And then Coca Cola bought the naming rights for the trophy. Fun, fun fact, and there's no correction for it.
2: So that'd be like uh, selling out the Super Bowl trophy, and it's not named the Lombardi trophy anymore. It's named the Geico Gecko trophy.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> write that down. The Super Bowl trophy. Be- no, don't actually write that down.
0: I could see that happening within the next decade, but this year. I would nah. be very sad. I would be too. but Just Don't
2: yeah. rename the Stanley Cop. That's the best trophy. Do you know they literally etch everyone's name in the Stanley Cup, if you're on the team that wins the Stanley Cup? I do know that. The keeps getting bigger because they keep having to add layers to it to keep fitting the new name. The I like that, keeps though. getting bigger. They're running out of space to put names on the cup. Anyway, is there anything else in the world of baseball that anybody wants to add? Anything else exciting that happened in any camp that you saw? There's still some free agents around. I'd expect those to get signed here at some point. Um, Jake Odorizzi, I think, is the biggest name free agent still out there. Former Twins and Rays starting pitcher. Um, neither of those teams.
1: I I think the one interesting thing that I would at least say, and Mike, you've you actually talked or mentioned this to me before. So the uh, yesterday, the Royals officially extended third baseman Hunter Dozier uh, to a four-year contract extension uh, with. Um total earnings potentially in the $35 million range, but base contract value is $25 million. Um, so it I'm I've been, I guess, pleasantly surprised with the Royals uh acquisitions so far this offseason. They went after Mike Minor in free agency, brought him in the trade for Andrew Benintendi, um, bringing back Wade Davis on a cheap contract to see if he can be a um shell of his former self uh the royals are trying to compete at least um, with what they have and what they can so it'll be interesting to see how well they do with the roster that they've put together and if they will be major buyers at the trade deadline or if they look to be sellers
2: yet the royals
1: the royals are definitely an interesting team because they're not guaranteed to be one of the top two teams in the division. They're, they're, about,
2: they're about the only team in their position who's taken that strategy, right? Like nobody views nobody viewed them as a contender going into this offseason. Yet they've made moves, maybe they haven't made like big, big name moves, but they've made moves, they've made additions that you'd expect like contenders to make. Yeah. Which, which is, is interesting.
1: The- which has been surprising because it's not it's not the mo of the Royals. You when you look back in 2014 and 15, the only talent that they brought in really external talent was uh, um, James Shields and Johnny Cueto, which they made trades for um, to get those players in their 2014 and 2015 runs. But other than that, everything was homegrown farm talent: Mustakis, Hosmer. Um, Kane was brought in from in a trade, but when he he was brought in as a minor leaguer, um, so players like that. But now the Royals are starting to buy in free agency and trade for major league players right now. So it's interesting to see what Dayton Moore in the front office is doing and how they are actually valuing um, their players. At least they value their players a lot better than Seattle's management. Um, So that's good to see. Uh, from a Royals front, but I also wonder how uh, how like promising they think that their this young pitching rotation is coming up. We've already seen two of them in Brady Singer as well as Chris Bubich, but what you who you probably haven't heard of if you're not a Royals fan is Jackson Coar, Daniel Lynch, as well as their uh, first round pick from last season, Asa Lacey, who is they already expect could make a. Uh, appearance in the major leagues this season so it'll be interesting to see where the royals sit at the trade deadline this year
2: yeah it'll be a fun year that's why they play the games there's pretty much baseball every day between now and the end of october just think about that guys baseball pretty much every day between now and the end of october that's a happy thought that should get you all through your work weeks if nothing else Find find a way to listen to all those ball games while you're working. You know, that's what I did today while I was working. Listen to the twins game, all six innings of it. So enjoy baseball here for these ne- next eight months. And you know what else we all enjoy about baseball? Will and Zadio. And in our weekly turtle tab. We will fill you in on Willens Astadio. He did appear in the Twins' first spring training game of the season on Sunday. He um, only played part of the game. He went one for two um, with a run scored um, in this game. Um, He played third base. So, again, he's sort of moving off catcher as his primary position, though he can still play catcher. So um, look for Willens Astadio. Um, To continue, and we will keep you informed on how he does in this next week of spring training games on next week's weekly turtle tab.
1: So, I have a question, Mike, because I actually thought about this recently with the twins situation and how it might be hard to find him a place in their rotation this year just because of how many other players they have. If he becomes a trading piece, like a trading chip. Are you going to continue your weekly turtle tab and follow him to another team?
2: Yes, the weekly turtle tab okay. will continue as long as Willens Willens Astadio is bigger than the Twins, Kyle. Willens Astadio is the savior of baseball. He's not just the savior of the Twins. He is baseball's savior. So,
1: I think I will like this segment a lot more if the Twins do end up trading him. He might just, in fact, become my favorite non-Royals baseball player at that point.
2: Why do you hate him on the Twins so much?
1: The Twins are division rivals. Clean the hands. There it is. All said and done. So, what if they trade
2: him to the White Sox? You're going to like him and then?
1: Yikes. Even worse.
2: Uh <laughs> So basically, Kyle can't like somebody for a, from a rival. That's fair. That, that's the way rivalry should. Not opposed to that.
0: I respect the commitment of covering Willens you, I must say, because I I haven't thought about that. You know, what if he leaves? But I respect that.
2: Yeah, well, the weekly turtle tab will continue, and I will continue to proudly wear my Willens Astadieu even after he leaves. Oh, there you go.
1: Is it an actual jersey, or is it just a jersey shirt?
2: No, nah, it's a jersey, yeah, the jersey shirt. They gave it away at Willens-Astadillo night at Target Field. He had his own night at Target Field. I skipped class to go to Willens-Astadillo night at Target Field, guys. So, there you go. That's how much it matters. Do you know what else really matters? Rules. And do you know what we're going to talk about? You guys did so great with the hockey rules last week that we're going back to them. All right, so, Kyle, you ready for your question? What happens when a hockey game, a regular season hockey game, is tied at the end of regulation?
1: It goes to a shootout.
2: No. Wyatt, I saw you raised your hand.
0: I think I know, like, the gist of it. So you have overtime, right? And you it's, there's two, you have two rounds to play, and if it's still tied after that, then it's sudden death. Is that true or somewhere close? There's no, like two periods de- or one de- extra
2: period. You just described soccer overtime. Oh
0: crap. <laughs> oh well it's like what a shootout think, it is. On ice. So, Not a shootout, it's like sudden death.
2: So all right. So first of all, NHL overtime. You're tied after regulation. This is only for the regular season. So playoff overtime is really easy. You just keep playing until somebody scores. Um but in the regular season, you play five minutes of overtime, but instead of playing it five-on-five five, um, plus a goalie like regulation, you play it three-on-three three plus the goalie. Yeah, that's
0: yeah, kind um, close.
2: So that increases offense, and they play one five-minute overtime, one five-minute sudden-death overtime period. In the case that nobody scores, then they go to a shootout, Kyle. So you were right about the shootout, just uh, not quite – Um, not in the right order exactly exactly so all right why your question um how do the stand how how is overtime games handled in the standing
0: i have no idea are they handled differently i'm assuming they
1: are but i don't know i don't know um i i want to say it's based on like a like the quality of the tie or is it
2: no, that's not right. Nope. Okay. So remember, the NHL does not use win-loss record in their standings, right? They use points. Uh, oh. So in the NHL, if you win, regardless if it's in regulation or overtime, you get two points. If you lose in overtime or a shootout, you get one point. And if you lose in regulation, you get zero points.
0: I forgot they did the points thing. Yes.
2: So if you get to overtime and lose – you get one point, except for today's stupid rule. There is one way you can get to overtime and lose and not get a point. So here you go. So normally you'd see um, when a team's down by a goal or two at the end of regulation, right? You'll see them pull their goalie for an extra attacker to to, uh, to try to tie the game. Well, if for some reason in overtime you pull your goalie, Um, you are forfeiting the one point that you would get in the case of a loss. So if you ever pull your goalie in overtime, basically you're saying we're going for two points or nothing is basically what it comes down to. Because if you lose in overtime after pulling your goalie, then you lose that point. You do not get your point for losing in overtime. It goes down as a regulation loss. Your point is forfeit. I like
0: that. Risk so, it for the biscuit.
2: Yes, you cannot. Um, it is never ac- – or it is. it very, very rarely happens. Like I can't think of a situation where it logically makes sense to do that unless you're at the end of the year and you're like, okay, the last game of the season and I know I need two – one point does me no good. I know I need two points to get to uh, the playoffs. That's the only time I can see it happening. And then only late in the overtime period because – you'd still have the opportunity to get two points in a shootout in the case that it doesn't end in regulation. So I like that the situation where you'd want to do it, even if you didn't have to give up a point would probably very rarely come up anyway, but yes, you'd have to give up a point if you pull your goalie in overtime, which I thought was interesting. I did not know that until um, just a week ago when I saw it, when I was perusing the NHL rule book. So
1: I guess, so what if you had a team that was very, very good on the attack against a backup goalie? Would you then say it might be cause to, to, pull, to pull your goalie in that situation in overtime?
2: Maybe um, you could think about it. But again, remember, then your opponent is shooting at the empty net, right? And they can just send it down the ice and try to score. Basically, right in the three-on-three three or four-on-four four or four-on-three, it would be in that case if you pulled your goalie. There's a lot of space, which means you'd get a lot of – if you turned the puck over, you'd basically have no chance to stop them. Unlike, you know, when you pull your goalie and it turns into six-on-five, where you might have, you know, better opportunities to get a defenseman back to – to stop it and maybe prevent that goal. The only other time I could see it is if you're a team where you know you're really, really, where you know you're really, really bad in the shootout. Like if you know you're almost guaranteed to lose that shootout anyway, because normally you'd think your shootout odds are probably about 50-50. But if you know you're really bad and your shootout odds are maybe only 20-80, then you might consider doing it to really bad in the shoot. So those are the situations I could think of, and even those don't see him very likely to me. Probably won't ever come up, but then when it does, y'all can get really, really excited and talk about how you learned about this on uh the 8311 cast and Mike's stupid rules. So there you go. Don't pull your goalie in overtime unless you want to give up a point. That is all. But what we are not done with, of course, is the way we always end our episodes in the 8311 cast with our write that down predictions starting with the accountability session. And we only have one prediction coming off the board this week, and it's one that probably could have come off the board last week, but Kyle and or I missed it. I don't remember who did the accountability, who, uh, did the accountability session last. But anyway, the prediction to come off the board is one from Kyle, who predicted that ISU women's basketball would win the Big 12. As we talked about um, in our segment this week, they'll either finish fourth or fifth, depending on these last games. Uh, Fourth and fifth, either way, it is not first. So for that, Kyle gets a net. That is it for our accountability session. So Kyle, you want to put some stuff back on the board?
1: Sticking with the women's team, going to say that they will win at least two games in the Big 12 tournament. So if they get that four seed, they will most likely run into Baylor in their second game, seeing or being that they beat the five seed.
2: Yes. If you are the four seed, presumably uh, no the four seed oh yeah, sorry, it'll be the four five yeah. No four five no. then no. no 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 no
1: Yes It's four five then one, four, two, th- No
2: one, two one eight, two se- oh yeah, you're right, my bad. Two seven, three six, five four. Okay, yeah, My bad.
1: Yep. So, okay. So, you know how I remember that? Because the year that I was at the Big 12 tournament in the men's basketball pep band, Iowa State was the either the fifth, fifth or the fourth seed. They played Baylor in the first round. That was the year that they made the run and won the championship, the Tyrese and Taylor Horton-Tucker team.
2: No. 4-7. It'll be the 4-7. No, because, oh, there's a play-in game. Dang it, I get thrown off by the – play-in game i was going backwards on the play-in game okay my bad you get 10 7 8 9 in the play-in game the the play-in game threw me off i was thrown off by the play-in games i was gonna go 10 teams first round and then the five was gonna play the six but then you're gonna do play-in games i forgot about the play-in games okay i'm no longer yes it's wow i was completely right for once First game, and then the winner will play baylor Will be the first two Big Twelve tournament games. All right, we're all on the same page now, and by all, yeah. I'm on the same page now. So basically, you're saying they'll be Texas and Baylor in back-to-back games. Okay. Um, boy, triple. What do you think? Uh, about it?
0: I yeah, I'd say triple or I don't think it would be a home run.
2: They've already like, it's kind of Texas and Baylor this year. Yeah,
1: but. But according to Kim uh, Malarkey, as I like to call her, uh, she was like, yeah, that, that, that win doesn't count for anything because we had just come off of a COVID spell where they were out for a
2: while. Maybe yeah. don't. I still I, say triple. Yeah,
1: I'm not going to argue for it. That's, that's fine with me. A triple's fine.
2: I, I still say triple.
1: I believe. I, I just really hope they beat Baylor because I like to see Kim all sad. Actually, so she sad. she just gets pissed.
2: Yeah, I don't like her, just saying. Anyway, my prediction um, is that the Minnesota Wild, um, who've come off their COVID pause and won six out of seven games, um, so take that, Baylor, um, will finish in the top two in the NHL Western Division. Do you need me to give you an NHL standings update to evaluate this? Yeah, I see you both nodding.
0: Yeah, go for
2: it. Minnesota is currently tied for second in the Western Division. Vegas is in first with 25 points. Minnesota and St. Louis both have 24 points. Colorado is 23 points. The Kings are in fifth with 22 points. Arizona is in sixth with 21 points. And Anaheim and San Jose are irrelevant.
0: So that seems pretty likely to me. Like, I would definitely not say that's a home run. And I don't think that's a triple.
2: No, it's definitely not a home run.
1: Definitely right. not. Kyle looks very confused. Oh, I'm not confused. I'm just trying to figure it out. Oh, gotcha. How many games are left?
2: We are about a third of the way through the year.
1: Oh, so we got a lot of time left. Yes, yeah, so that, about
2: a third of the way through the year.
1: That's why I they're don't only, think they could be. They're a... only two points ahead of the Kings, three points ahead of the Coyotes. Like I said, just
0: by process of elimination – I don't think that's a single because it's going to take too long. It's definitely not a home run. And I, my gut read is saying it's not a triple. So that leaves me at a double.
2: Sure. I, I, yep, I'm fine with the double. That was sort of what I was what I was looking for for that. So
1: I definitely wasn't in single or home run territory, but I was wondering if the length of time was triple. No, uh,
2: I'm, fine. I'm fine with a double. I'm very much fine with a double for
0: that. that. That seems fair for me. Mine's pretty easy. I can tell you straight up this should be a home run. Uh, I'm going to say that we're going to have a for in this MLB season. Uh, for reference, the last two Scorigamis were in 2020 and one before that was in 1999. The first so, Scorigami of the season.
2: Of basically, the season. minimum requirement for a Scorigami is that one of the teams would have to score at least 21 runs, which in and of itself doesn't happen very often. And even if one team did score 21 runs, The opponent would have to score at least 18 for it to be a scorecard. 21-18. If there was
1: anything more than a home run, that would be – like this would be that. This is – besides my one-point safety, this is probably the highest-ranking unlikely event to ever happen.
2: Yeah, this is definitely a home run. This is the
1: longest home run possible in the ballpark possible.
2: Yep. Yep, I, I agree with that. Do you have anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? Um, yep, he's still alive, still doing good. Um, but I sort of dropped the ball and just asked him like two minutes ago if he had a prediction, uh, and he hasn't gotten back to me, understandably. So I dropped the ball on that one. He does, as of now, does not have a prediction. No but worries. If he does, we'll update it on next week's episode, and i will give him two on ne- next week's episode.
0: Most definitely. So with that, we all have a write that down predictions written up on the board which means we're at the end of the write that down prediction segment and as mike said earlier that means we're at the end of the episode thank you so much for listening to episode 121 of the 8311 cast we appreciate you sticking around and hanging with us every week signing off for the 8311 cast we have your hosts kyle mersh
2: mike ludwig
0: and wyatt Teeter. we'll talk to you again next week go cyclones
2: go cyclones
1: go cyclones